Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Maybe, maybe some of you have given already online service. If you've already given, that's fantastic. But as a church, it'd be good to do something, you know. Um, we don't want to do nothing. And I think, imagine if every single church uh, took up an offering and blessed, uh, gave to Red Cross or Salvation Army or, or, or you know, we want to help those in need. And um, it all helps. It would be great to, that the church in Australia will be known as, well, as soon as there's a, a, a disaster like that or, or some you know, major problems in the, our community, they come to help. They rally to help. We want to be known like that in our city. Um, uh, the Nostradam church building in Paris, when that came down, $635 million came in. $635 million worldwide. And we, we're wanting to raise money to help people that lost homes, lost property, um, a, lot of, a lot of animals killed, um, a lot of lost lives. And so we need to, first thing, pray. That's our duty as sons and daughters of God that we have the authority. Now, if, if you think the fires are from God, then why pray to stop the fires? The fires aren't from God. They're not, you know, some people think, is it from God? Is it, you know... Um, they say, we know by statistics, 80% of the fires were human lit. 80%. 87, actually. 40% on purpose, 47 by accident. So lack of knowledge, don't know, throw a butt in a, in a bush that's dry. Lack of knowledge, it's still our fault. It's not, it's not a divine thing. And even the, even the lightning strikes that starts fires, still not God. That's just the weather. Jesus stopped the storm that was, gonna, was threatening the disciples. The storm was not from God's will. Right? How could God, Jesus, everything Jesus did was the will of God. How could Jesus stop something that was from God if it was a storm from God? It wasn't from God. It was, it was sent to destroy. He had the authority as a son of God, and he stopped the storm by speaking to it. We also have authority, and that's why it's important that we rise up and pray and command the, storm, uh, the, the, the fires to stop and pray that the rain would come and speak to the weather system, that the rain will develop and will form, and we get consistent downpour of rain, enough to quench the fires and fill the dams and break the drought. You have the authority for that. Okay, amen. So, so please, if you don't know, if, you know, just in case, if we don't know that it's, if I wonder if it's a God, it's, you know, all that sort of stuff, I, I just believe the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14 says, If my people would humble themselves, and call on his name, seek his face and pray. Turn from their wicked ways. Then I would hear from heaven and would heal their land. So it's not that God, does, God wants to heal our land. It's not him that's destroying our land. It's the devil that comes to steal, kill and destroy. Please know that about our father in heaven. He's not the one. I mean, Jesus said, our father, he lets the sun shine on the good and the bad. The, 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 the evil people and the good people. The righteous and the unrighteous. He lets it rain on them, it says. Now, this God's so good, I pour out my goodness despite of how you are. That's how good God is. So let's just know the difference. We are going to be talking on prayer this morning. And, and, and again, maybe after the service, we'll make a way, an opportunity uh, that we can give. If you want to give online, if that's the preference of the way you give, please write down fires. And then we know to take that money from the internet or the, the bank account that goes into the bank account, and we'll send it to Red Cross. At least we do something. If we all think someone else is going to do something... Um, no one does anything. So let's, let's, let's do what we can. 
It's be a blessing. We've got churches from New Zealand calling us, friends, saying, what can we do? Can we, we'll send finances, whatever you want. We'll send teams. Do you want to send, can we send people? Like they're, they're, they're ready and ready to help. So we've got to know what's the best way to administrate that. All right. We're going to, we're going to speak on prayer because it's the beginning of the year. It's the first Sunday of the year. You've, you've started a whole new year, a whole new season. I'm really, really convinced. I know this from the Word of God. I had a, someone that I know really, really well had the worst year of their life last year. Worst year of their life. It's the worst year. And, and um, yet I look back, I think it's probably one of the, my best years I've ever had. So why is one person the worst year of their life and another person the best year of their life? Why is that? Is God saying, I'm going to bless you because I just choose to, and you, I'm just going to make sure that all the curses come and all the bad things happen? No, God doesn't work that way. This person that had one of the worst years of their life obviously somehow sowed seed for many, many years. If it, might, it might be many, many, many years, even decades, sowed seeds that were not from God, and eventually you reap the harvest of the very seeds you've sown. So why did I have such a good year? Because I've sown many years of good seed, and now I'm reaping a harvest of good seed. Does that make sense? Hmm. You're living in your past seeds. You're living in your past seeds that you've sown. Words, attitude, thoughts. Everything you do is a seed. Every action you do. Every time you say something or neglect something, neglect your child or, or you choose to, I don't know, put material things in front of your children. Whatever, all that, that's a seed. Sown. So we're talking about prayer because we want to come into the first part of the year. We want to dedicate our lives to God. But, you know, that's why we talk about the free week. The free week fast we encourage our church to do is uh, 21 days of the Daniel fast that he did. Uh, he ate only vegetables and fruit and veggies. I've heard some people, some meat lovers, say that's harder than just not fasting. You know, I mean, just, just not eating food, sorry. Um, like, in other words, I'd rather not eat food than eat vegetables, some say. But vegetables are good. They're amazing. They're good for you. But fruit and veggies... Um, you just stay away from all the nice, delicates, you know, even sugar, sweets, desserts, anything, dairy, any bread. Um, obviously, it depends on what you say to God and, and all those sort of things. But you no know, meat, no, no, but just fruit and veggies. You'll be fasted in three weeks. But the point about being fasted is say, God, I want to come close to you. Fasting doesn't move God, doesn't change God, it changes us. Even prayer doesn't change God's will, it changes us. To believe the very will that God wants to do. God wants to pour out revival. It's not going to change his heart to go, okay, now because you prayed and you worked for it and you fasted and, and, and you know, beated, beat, beated your own flesh about it and, and, and you worked through it and sacrificed, now I'll do it. No, it's faith that moves God. If needs moved God, you just have to go to countries like India, Africa, Zimbabwe, and all the poor countries of the world. Just go to the poorest nations in the world and you should see God move among the needs. If needs moved God. It's so important that we get a revelation that needs don't move God. Faith moves God. John, I think it was John Wesley was the one that was quoted in saying that he believes that God does nothing in the earth except through prayer. God does nothing in the earth except through prayer. Now, I believe that. I think it should be stated this. God does nothing in the earth except through believing prayer. Because you can pray and not believe. God doesn't just answer your prayer because you pray. He answers your prayer when you believe. That's what Jesus taught. Do you understand? There's a lot of people praying. But you've got to pray in faith. And you've got to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. 
When you pray, when I believe, believe in prayer, God answers that. And he move, He's moved by faith, not by need. That's really important to know. And we're going to talk a little bit about the sovereign will of God. Because if God's sovereign, and He sovereign means He, he can do and say and choose whatever He wants to do. And that's true of God. I believe that. But in His sovereignty, He gave authority to mankind. The only reason why we need to pray or should pray is because God gave authority to mankind. So it's when we exercise our will, our faith, and we pray, we, we are exercising that authority God gave us. And God chooses not to break His word unless you invite Him in your life. Why pray if God's sovereign? If God's in a sense, because He is sovereign, I believe He's sovereign. But in the sense that if God's going to do what He wants to do, why does He instruct us to pray? Why did Jesus instruct us to pray? Does that make sense? Look at, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 11, please. Verse 1. And uh, remember, Jesus walked this earth. I mean, he, he started his ministry at the age of 30. And I mean, if I was a disciple, one of the apostles, 12 of them, and they walked close with him, they ate with him, they went up in the mountain, they, they slept up in the Mount Olivet, and, and they hanged out together. They did everything, they did ministry together. They see the sick get healed. They, I mean, he, when, when there was no food and they were out in the, in the wilderness for for, for three days, they forgot about food because of the miracles and signs and wonders that Jesus was performing. And everyone ran out of food. And there's probably about 15,000, 20,000 people. And they, and they actually said, if we send them home, they're going to faint on the way. There's not gonna, they're not gonna, it's not going to be sustained. They can't walk back to their villages. So we need to get some food and feed them, Jesus said. And they go, well, how are we going to buy food? There's been a whole year's wage. Can't buy enough food for all these people. And uh, Jesus says, sit them all down. He gets a little boy's lunch. They watched all this. Imagine the things that they saw. They saw him walk on water. They saw him raise a dead of a widow's a widow. Now they're having a funeral, and he just stops the funeral service and raises him back to life. I mean, imagine seeing the eyes of a blind open, and you're watching all this. And this is what the disciples said to Jesus. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased or when he stopped, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. I love that question. I love that desire to pray. And this is the title of my message is, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, these guys walked with him. They saw him do great things. They saw him preach on the, on the mount um, where he spoke about the Beatitudes, one of the famous sermons ever, ever recorded. The Beatitudes. And they saw him speak. They knew he's one of the greatest preachers, greatest teachers. And yet they didn't say, Lord, teach us to preach. They didn't even say, Lord, teach us to do miracles. We want to do miracles like you can do miracles. Because if we can do miracles like you, wow, we can wow the people. They didn't say that. They didn't say, teach us to teach, teach us to preach. Even, they didn't ask, teach us to lead the way you lead. Because he was a great leader, greatest leader of all time. They didn't, do any, they didn't ask that. It's like they knew the secret to your power, the secret to the, what you're doing is the way you connect to the Father. The way you talk to God who's the source of all power, that must be the secret. They actually ask the right thing. Lord, teach us to pray. Like John taught his disciples. I mean, they could have asked a lot of things. They could have asked, teach us to do miracles. But they didn't. Nowhere is it recorded. They actually said, Jesus, teach us how to do the power stuff. Signs and wonders, gifts of the Spirit. But they did ask, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He had a connection with the Father. He knew how to connect to the Father. He knew how to pray. And when he... So my, my first point with teach us to pray is the fact that you've got to have a willingness to learn to pray. A willingness 
a desire and a hunger. The fact that they asked, they wanted to know. If you don't want to know how to pray, you won't pray. Now think about, I don't know, I got saved at the age of 19. So for 19 years of my life, I created a lifestyle and a mindset that I didn't pray. Now I did pray, I prayed at night time when I get to bed, our Father white in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. That, that fast, that was my prayer almost every single night, Father help me to grow rich, tall and take care of my family, mum and dad, brother and sister. That was my prayer. Help me to grow rich and tall. Didn't work. Didn't work. Is, how do you know I didn't work? My mum and dad were like this. Mum was like this, dad was us taller than both of us, so maybe it did work. Maybe I was going to be in shorter. But a selfish prayer. And Jesus actually said, don't pray like the heathen. Don't pray like people that don't know God with repetitious prayers. Don't pray like that. Because God knows everything you're going to pray. He knows, and you're not going to impress him with your many words. I used to go to the priest and say, it was a bad week that week. I didn't go all the time. We'd go once a year or so to confess my sins. And it's a bad one. 20 Hail Marys, 20 Hour Fathers. If it wasn't so bad, 10 Hour Marys, you know, 10 Hour So I'd go there, Father, I'm in heaven. Repetitive words. Repetitive. My heart's not in it. My heart's not engaged. My heart's not connecting to God. The willingness to pray, I think, it's got to be a revelation that we know that if I, could not, if I know how to pray, we're talking about prayer in the area of communicating with God our Father. I use the word communicating because we're, we're talking with God, not to God. We're not doing all the talking. We're communicating. We're talking, he's talking back. We're talking, he's talking back. I, can, I have a fellowship, a relationship with the Father in heaven. In other words, my prayer should be my desire to know God. I want to know him as my Father. Not just, I pray and I've got my results. If the only time you pray is when you're in trouble, then you're in trouble. Most, most of us do that. And I, I love God's grace because when we only pray when we're in trouble, He still hears you. It's in the book of uh, the Old Testament. Right throughout the Old Testament, whenever they went through real bad times, they cried out to God. God heard them and sent a deliverer and a prophet and He'd deliver them. And then they go back into, sometimes it took years and years, back into... Uh, you know, rebellion and back into idols and back into, and then bad things would happen to them and then they cry out to God and God would listen to them. God would, why? Because they're releasing their faith, calling out on God, releasing their faith. They're calling out on God with their authority and God hears them. So don't think, oh, well, yeah, it's true. I think every time I, I pray to God is when I'm in trouble. Keep doing it. That's the first thing. But learn to pray to God when everything's doing well. Learn to pray to God out of lifestyle and out of relationship. Remember I was saying myself at the age of 19, I had a mindset of didn't pray. I, I, in other words, I created a lifestyle of totally dependence on myself. You can become a believer, a Christian, still carry through that mindset that you still just rely on yourself, your own strength, your own ability. And how do I know that? Because I've done that too. Because I fall back in sometimes into just, uh, I rely on God. If I, if I have a prayerless day, I'm saying to God, I don't need you today. I'm saying to God, I can take care of my life just fine. I'm dependent enough. Got the ability, got the gifts. I've, I can do this without you. That's what I'm really saying. In reality, I'm arrogant. I don't need you. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. We're arrogant if we don't pray. We're saying, God, I don't need you. I don't need to spend time with you. And we all, I've done it. So I'm not pointing the finger. I've done it. But the reality is if I have a prayerless day, I'm showing God that I don't need you today. 
Every time I pray and spend time with him, I'm depending on him and his goodness. God, I need you. I humble myself. I need your grace. Everything's going just fine. Everything's actually successful, amazing, fruitful, prosperous. Things are doing well. I still need you. Because all those blessings are coming from you anyway. And if I disconnect myself from you, but a greater motive, I want to pray just to know you. Not pray because I want to be successful. Not pray because I, I want everything to go well in my life. I want my family to be blessed. I want, my, I want a good job. I want my money. I want finance. I want everything to be good. So I'm going to pray. No, we pray. I want to actually know you. Jesus prayed because he wanted to know his father. But as you pray and you get to know the father, then that's the reason why he anoints you and he empowers you to set people free and to help people around you. So there's got to be teachability. There's got to be humility. The very fact they asked, Lord, teach us to pray, they wanted to learn. If you don't believe prayer is good for you, you won't pray. Really what I'm trying to say. If you don't think prayer will be beneficial, you won't pray. But when you believe that prayer is the most beneficial, most profitable, the most, uh, it's going to help my life the, the most out of anything else, I'll pray before I do anything. I'll spend time with God. I'll prioritize what I believe is valuable to me. Does that make sense? So we're asking God, Lord, teach us to pray. My first experience when I first became a Christian at the age of 19, I didn't know how to pray. No one sat me down and says, this is how you pray. I didn't learn it really from people. I did learn a lot of things from hearing people preach, don't get me wrong, but I was practicing a lot that I didn't know. And I'd go outside my backyard in the, in the stars at night and uh, before I went to bed, but always want to spend time with God. I just, to, I just talk to him, the last conversation, have a relationship with him, talk to him and talk to him about my day. And I'd do that in the morning too, but at night time I'd go out then and sometimes it's just silent and quiet and, okay, God, speak to me. And I hear nothing. And I, I hear this sometimes, Leo, you got to open up to me. The Bible says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Other times I hear him say, Leo, you've got the key. What do you mean I've got the key? Your will is the key. If you don't want to open up and talk to me, you, you, you don't make, you're going to make the effort. Oh, really? Okay. So I say, I'm making an effort now. I'm trying. I'm getting my will to open up about my life to God, my Father. Okay, like, you know, and that's where he reminds me, draw, the Bible says in James, draw near to God, we've got to do the drawing, we take that first step, I draw near to God, he draws near to me. Oh no, I'm waiting for you to draw near to me, God. Draw near to me, God, and I'll draw near to you. No, it doesn't work that way. God said, you draw near to me, you have the free will, you have the will that can shut him out. You have the authority to say, I don't want to talk to you, I don't want to pray. You have the authority to do that, God gives you the freedom to do that. And me too. So drawing near to God is saying, God, I open up my heart now. I start to open up and I start to pour out my heart on purpose. Sometimes I feel I'm going nowhere. I'm just opening up my heart about my thoughts, my feelings. And, and remember to listen. Remember to hear his voice. The more I know the word, the more I'm going to discern his voice. I'm not going to just get directed with any voices. I actually know the Bible. And when the voice said to me, draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. I knew that was in the Bible. When he said, the, your, the, your will is the, the key, Leo. Okay, and then I realized the key to prayer was this. Do you want to know the key to prayer? Can I tell you the key to prayer? Yeah. It's the simplest key. It's the most powerful key. This is it. You ready? Yeah. Come back tonight at 5 p.m. and I'll talk. <laughs> Just joking, joking. The key to prayer is to be 100% absolutely honest. It's the key. 
be 100% honest. There's nothing to hide. See, if I'm hiding from God, I'm already pretense. I'm, I've got pride there, already relying on myself. I'm as, I'm, I'm as, I'm already, I already realize He knows everything. I can't hide anything. He knows all that little yucky stuff in my heart. He knows about it. He knows my selfishness. Sometimes when I open up to God, I'm, it's coming out and I can hear it being selfish. Oh, wow, I'm so selfish. I'm just thinking about myself there, aren't I? My protection or self-reliance. Oh, okay, God, forgive me, God. Yeah, I see what, yes, Lord, thank you. But I don't know my heart until I open up to him. That's the key to getting to know your own heart. By opening up to the Father and talking to him out of relationship and listening. Remember, not doing all the talking. Or else we, who know nothing, are talking to the one who knows everything and we're doing all the talking. He's the one who knows everything. Let's listen. I'm really talking about our heart posture and attitude because it's everything. And when you don't know uh, some things, it's hard to pray when you don't have the right precision in your heart. Okay. Um, so John chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus was talking to the woman at the well. And they were talking about what real worship is. And the, the, the Samaritan woman was really excited that when she found out he's the prophet and the Messiah. And he goes, oh, uh, the Samaritans believe that their mountain is where you should worship. I know the Jews think that, that their mountain is where you should worship. What do you say? And the Lord said, it's not about praying in that mountain or in this mountain. But the true worshipers. It's like saying the true people that pray, worship God and know how to talk with God. They will worship and pray in spirit and in truth. See, we keep thinking prayer is an event. We think prayer is a particular place, a particular posture. I, I, I used to think the only time to pray was in a church building. Well, that's when I pray. Now that I go, I mean, think about that, how, how wrong that is. Please hear my heart. If I sin today, during the day, like it's Monday morning and I do something wrong. Imagine I had to say to myself, oh, when I go to church on Sunday, I'm going to deal with that sin. I'm going to confess my sins to another man and then he forgives me and then I confess and then I'm forgiven. When the Bible says, if you sin, this is in 1 John chapter 1, if you sin, confess your sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive you, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So I deal with my sin immediately, straight away, because Jesus is my mediator, the Bible says. There's only one mediator between God and man, that's the man Christ Jesus. That's in 1 Timothy. Jesus is my mediator. Because of Him and what He did on the cross, I, I ask the Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive me. And the Bible says He forgives me from all unrighteousness. So I'm forgiven right now. I don't have to go to church building on Sunday or that night. Oh, I don't even wait when I get home, my bedside, when I finish my day of work and interaction with people, then I kneel down and say, God, forgive me what I did today. I don't ask God then, I ask God immediately. Does that make sense? So I have a relationship. Relationship means relating with the Father. So this, these are very, very important because the true worshippers will, the true prayers and worshippers will worship God in spirit and in truth. The word truth means reality. So... I used to do this. I'd go out for walks and pray with the Father and just walk in my community and just talk to God. And I might have a prayer walk for an hour, talk to the Father, open up my heart to Him. And, and as I'm coming home and my family's at home, I'd say, this is what I used to do as a, when I was a teenager, even before I was married. I'd say, uh, Father, okay, Lord, see you, Lord. Bye, Lord. I'm going back home with my brother, sister there, mum, mum's there. Uh, bye, Lord. What's, what am I doing? As if to say I'm, stop, I'm no longer talking to you now because I've got to go home and talking to everybody else. And, what, and the Lord said, why are you saying goodbye? <laughs> See my mindset? My mindset thinks it's here, praying now, now I'm not praying. Wow. When the Bible says pray always. Yeah. Pray always with prayer and supplication. Bible, Paul says pray without ceasing. Yeah. And that means we've got a communication line open all the time. Oh, yeah. When I'm with people, I'm still talking to the Father. 
Can you see the difference? It's important you get this because then you'll see it as an event that you go, oh, well, I don't pray. What do you mean you don't pray? You need to be praying all the time. Now, in saying that, the Bible does say about praying with God alone. Or else some people go, oh, that's it. That's what I do. I just talk to God everywhere I go. Yeah, it's good. But do you pray alone as well? Jesus says, when you pray, pray in secret. That means alone. And he'll reward you openly. You pray alone when nobody's watching. There's no, to me, in secret, that tells me we go alone. We shut the door. That's what Jesus says. Shut the door. Man, we need to do that these days. You just shut the phone. Turn the phone off. The notifications are off. Nothing. Take it away. Put it in another room. Get, get somewhere where you cannot be distracted, where you've actually shut the door and it says you and the Father. Does that make sense? It's getting alone. So the true worshippers have this attitude to pray to the Father all the time. And it's all about encounter. It's encountering God. It's experiencing who He is. Knowing Him. I want to know Him. I engage with Him because I want to know Him. I'm not even praying like a shopping list. I left go of my shopping list ages ago. You know what a shopping list is, eh? We go to God with, oh God, I need this and I did this and Lord, I need this and this and that. No, no, please help me for this. And oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, and I need to do this. And, and again, we're doing all the talking. It's a shopping list. So number three was what I was talking about. Pray to your father in secret or alone with God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, if you want to look it up in your Bibles. To me, this is the foundation of prayer life. Spending time with him alone. The only time you talk to God is in front of people or in public, then something is wrong. And you'll be careful, you'll end up becoming like the Pharisees. They ended up praying to impress people and not to engage with God. So think about that again. If the only time you are publicly praying or any time you're actually praying is when there's a prayer meeting or in a church meeting or at a home group, or that's the only time I pray to God. Be careful because you should have your own prayer life. If I can engage every single person to connect with the Father, what a powerful church we'd be. What a powerful church. Is prayer your steering wheel or is prayer just a spare tire? Some people use prayer as a spare tire. Something's gone wrong. Oh, no. My tire again. I need to put it on. Now I pray because there's something gone wrong. Or is it a steering wheel? God the Father is the one that's steering. All the time. You need to have your hands on the steering wheel all the time and say, God, lead me, direct me. It's, it's, your, it's your steering wheel. Prayer is the world's greatest wireless connection. Because you literally connect to the Father wirelessly, spirit to spirit. You've you got to believe you commune. You actually pick up and hear his voice. And he hears your voice. You connect with him. What a privilege. What an honor. What a... What an amazing ability to be able to come before God. Again, you and I won't pray if we don't realize that Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty. When he died, he died in my place, in your place. Your sins are forgiven. It's wiped away. There is no debt between you and God. There is no guilt between you and God. There's no disconnection between you and God. God, Jesus connected you to the Father. So that's the reason why we have access, all because of what Jesus did. That's the basis. That's the foundation of my prayer life. I come to God not on my merit, not because I've been good enough or I've done all the good works, but because of the blood of Jesus. And I come into the very holy of holies through the blood of Jesus into the very presence of the Father. And I know He welcomes me. As much as I as a father welcome my children, my Father welcomes me and welcomes you. 
Think about that thought. Would I ever reject my kids? Have I ever rejected you? Have you ever thought I had to go, oh, Dad, I'm about to approach you. Can I please? Would you allow me to come into your presence? And my kid, no kids have ever done that to me, my children. Yet we almost do that to God because we don't know what Jesus did for us on the cross. That is the basis of your prayer life, knowing that he did it for you. He came up with a plan. He thought about it. He knew he had to die on the cross for you. You know, people that prayed in secret transformed the world and made history. There are so many men and women of God that have prayed and transformed the world, changed history. Um, if you ever heard of William Seymour, Frank Barterman, who, who birthed the Azusa Street Revival, Evan Roberts, who birthed the Wales Revival, John Knox, the Queen of England, was afraid of his prayers more than all the armies of, of the world. Father Nash, who worked with Charles Finney, and everywhere Charles Finney went to bring revival, he's a great evangelist, great preacher that was a lawyer who became a, a, a Christian and brought revival to America. Father Nash would go to the village and pray and intercede and weep and cry first for days and days. People used to think that something's wrong with him, that he was sick. He'd cry out for the sins of the world. And he'd, in agony, he'd cry out to God because he felt the pressure, the, I would call the intercession of the pain and the sin of the world upon him when he was crying out to God. And he'd cry out in agony for souls, lost souls. And God brought amazing revival through people that prayed. I can't imagine, I'm being honest with you as a leader, I can't imagine God awakening Australia. I can't imagine. Couldn't find amazing revival in your music. I, couldn't, I, I can't imagine revival breaking out and awakening Australia without prayer meetings exploding all over Australia. I'm, I'm, I, the reason why I can't imagine is I believe that's going to happen first. Because it always preludes. It always is the beginning of great outpourings, great revival. People start praying everywhere. Prayer meetings start just to come up in the homes, in the prayers, in the home groups. They meet together. Spontaneous prayer. People just start to cry out to God. And as we cry out to God, God starts to move. Because we have the authority. God gave us the authority. Think about that. God delegated authority. You take dominion. You rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. Over every living thing that lives on the earth, you rule and take dominion. God gave the authority to mankind. And when we don't do anything, we are withholding. We actually, the enemy wants to shut our mouth. Because when you speak in faith and you pray in faith and you decree in faith, God the Father hears it. I believe with all my heart, angels are released and do the bidding of the word of God in your mouth. Because the word of God in your mouth is from him. So God speaks his word. When you, make it, when you take his promise and you say, God, this is what you said. You spoke this. You said this for your son. When I speak it in faith, the angels go, bang. And obey the word of God's mouth, out of God's mouth. In the same way, if you speak negative, you have authority. If you speak negative and you curse yourself with your own words, I believe demons are released to, to bring that to pass. That's why your words are so powerful. Very powerful. Your mouth, if you keep speaking negative over and over over yourself, you're cursing yourself, cursing your future. Remember what I said at the beginning? We're living in the harvest of our own words, our own actions, our own seeds. Whatever you've sown in the past, you're reaping in it. You'll reap a harvest of your own words. Luke chapter 11. Pray this. When, when, they, when, when they did ask Jesus to pray, and said, Lord, teach us to pray. This is, so he said, this is how he responded. So he said, when you pray. I love the fact that he said, when, not if. When you pray, 
say, and he gave a model of prayer, that our Father is not repeat this prayer. He didn't say repeat this prayer when you pray. It's say, and the, the, the way the, the rabbis taught in those days was uh, in that fashion. It was, uh, it was a heading, and then it was, it was themed. But basically he says, when you pray, say. First thing he teaches is our Father. You can't pray without relationship. Remember I was telling you, when you know who you are, you know you're a son, you know what he's done for you, you know that Jesus died on the cross, you know you have access. I'm talking about the father and son, children, the fact that they have access to me. Our Father. Can you honestly say a Father? Well, you can't say our Father without knowing that Jesus died on the cross and accepting his sacrifice for your sins, which means making him Lord, becoming a Christian. When you become a Christian, you say, God, I want to be your child. So, so relationship with God is everything when it comes to prayer. It's knowing your identity. Do I really know that I'm a son of God? I'm a son of God. Hang on a second, I'm a son of God. God's my father. God's your father if you've accepted Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has loved upon us, that we should be called sons and daughters of God. That's in 1 John chapter 3. We're called sons and daughters of God. So my identity of knowing who I am, I can approach the Father. Jesus knew who he was so well. One of his prayer meetings, probably the only time he, he, he allowed Peter, James, and John to come up in the mountain. They call it the mountain of transfiguration. And they went up in the mountain of transfiguration. And the Bible says, as Jesus was praying, his whole clothing and face shone like the sun. And the cloud of God's glory came in. Not just a cloud, not a natural cloud. I think that was God's glory came. Bright, shining glory. And then Moses and Elijah showed up. And he's talking to Moses and Elijah in his prayer time. Jesus, just Jesus' prayer time. And he's talking to them. And the Bible says Moses and Elijah is talking to him about him dying on the cross. Giving him insight about what's going to happen when you die on the cross. And they're having this discussion and talk. Glory, cloud, everywhere. And the Father now speaks. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Peter's shaking and James and John, they're all shaking full of fear. This is his prayer time with the Father. Wow. If that was your prayer time, wouldn't you want to pray? If that's how you encountered God, I can't be running to the mountain right now. I can't wait to pray next time because I'm going to encounter God. That's the level of faith that we have when we pray. Our Father who art in heaven, who, who lives in heavens. In other words, man, this, if you're going to get anything, get this. Relationship is everything. If you study for the next few years just to know who you are so your prayer life starts to happen, know who you are as a son and daughter of God. Because the foundation of all prayer is knowing who you are as a son or a daughter of God. To know I'm forgiven. To know I have a gift of righteousness. Gift. Of, I love the fact that it's a gift. I can't earn it. Can't be good enough for this gift of righteousness. Jesus gave me his robe of righteousness at the cross. He exchanged it. By faith, he died on the cross. Who was righteous. Jesus was completely, perfectly righteous. But he died as if he was a sinner. Takes off his robe of righteousness and says, here, put it on by faith. And I put it on. He took off my filthy rags of righteousness. He put it on at the cross. He became sin. I became righteous. He who knew no sin became sin. He who knew no righteousness became righteous. Exchange took place. I have righteousness, you have righteousness through the blood of Jesus. And that's why we can come to the Father. Does that make sense? That's the only reason why you have access. This is so good, people miss it. 
It's so simple, people think it's got to be more complicated than that. Surely God doesn't just invite us into his presence just like that. Yes, exactly just like that. And when you really believe it, you go, my God, you did it for me. It changes you from the inside out, out of love, to want to love him back. Changes you from the inside. You want to love God back. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Again, the way you approach the Father, it's got to be on the basis of who he is, not on who you are. Holy is your name. That speaks of hallowed, holy, great, magnificent is your name. And as I pray, I've got to get to know the name of God. Who is he? That's the reason why I pray. The name of God. Who is God? Who am I approaching? When we pray for rain, we're approaching the Father God who sits on the throne, who went boom and light be. He spoke the existence. He spoke the world and the universe into existence by his words. Why can't he just send rain to Australia? Of course he can. Just have to have simple childlike faith. Consistent rain, constant rain until the fires are all gone. Why can't he? Just our faith. Just our faith that asks him to do it. Amen? No, holy is your name. To me, it's praising him, worshipping him. I've run out of time. Because Psalms 100 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. That's why Jesus says, when you do pray, approach the Father. Say, our Father. Approach him with relationship. Who art in heaven. Holy is your name. Approach him with praise. The themes are there. Praise is key. Worship, praise. I'm exalting him. I'm not exalting my problem. So many people go to God with their problem. Oh God, my problem. Oh God, my mountain. You know how big it is. It's this and this is going wrong and that's going wrong. It's going so big. And I'm talking about my mountain. It's the biggest mountain in the world. And so when I go to God, do you think I've got faith? I'm just speaking about my mountain the whole half an hour, one hour. No, you exalt him. Praise him. You exalt him so large, your little mountain becomes an anthill in the sight of who God is. It's so important that we praise God. Holy is your name. Holy is your name. Then your kingdom come. Your will. If we only get that right. Your kingdom come. That is kingdom. Your will. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.